I'm excited about uh, our Missions Advancement Week. To me, it's the highlight of the year. It's the most important week of the year as far as I'm concerned. I feel like we got a good start Sunday, and I'm excited about tonight. Um, you know, you hear me say quite often that we are a sending church. When you talk about a sending church, most of the time, the first thing you think about is money, that we send money. And we do send money. We send lots of money. Over $232,000 was invested in missions last year. That's a lot of money. To put that in perspective, that's what the total income of the church was 13 years ago. And that's what we invested in missions last year. Think about that. So that's a lot of money. Amen. But not only are we a sending church when it comes to sending money, but we also send people. And I will just tell you that it's harder for me to send people than it is to send money. And especially when they're of the caliber of Steve and Priscilla. Uh, most of you know them, know them well, but, you know, I'm thinking, you know, they're 70, they've been gone nine months now. They're 75 new, you know, we, we're, we're averaging 75 more people on Sunday morning than we were nine months ago when they left. You know, we finally got them out of the way. We could grow, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so there's people that are here tonight. You don't even know who in the world Steve and Priscilla are. So I'll tell you that they served with us on staff for over six years and did an outstanding and incredible, incredible job. Not only were they staff members, but they became our kids. And uh, I think of Steve as just one of my, one of my sons. And uh, yeah, amen. And the other day he said, you know, you call me son on Sunday. He said, so can I have, and I said, yes. <laughs> Nine months of investment in New York City. It's a very, very difficult place. In fact, I told him, I said, Steve, out of all the places in the entire world that you picked, you couldn't have picked a harder place to plant a church than New York City and Manhattan. But the thing is, he didn't pick it. God picked it for them. And I'm just saying this is not negative. This is not anything. But it's a very difficult, difficult assignment And it probably, well, it won't because they've already been there nine months. It's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen in a year. not going to happen in two years. It's a lifetime. In fact, I told him to go to the city and give his life to the city. And that's the way it's going to work. Amen. And so I don't want to take his time tonight. So I just want him to come tonight and take his liberty. We are so excited that they're here tonight to share their heart. And this is a part of who we are. They are a part of us. They are an extension of us. They are us. They are the Grace Place NYC. Come on, Steve. We love you. Thank you, Pastor. It's good to be back with you. It's an honor to be here. Um, it's, it's emotional to stand back up here. I, I uh, did announcements on Sunday morning and the greeting and all that stuff for many, many years. So uh, I count it an honor and a joy to be standing uh, right here. And, and I just thank you for allowing me to share what God has done in our hearts and 
in our lives over the last nine months. Um, I have a message uh, for you tonight that God has put on my heart, Uh, but before I get into my message, I want to say a few thank yous. And first and foremost, I want to thank Pastor Benson for uh, believing in Priscilla and I and and for supporting us financially and prayerfully. Uh, Pastor, without your leadership, without your heart for missions, uh, without just your integrity, this whole project to plant a church in New York City would never, ever happen. And so I just want to say from the bottom of my heart and Priscilla's heart and our family, thank you for your vision and thank you for believing in us and thank you for um, kind of just gathering the church together to back us up and and to send us out to plant a church in New York City. I, I am so grateful for you and your leadership And I want to say thank you to all of you. You are my church family. I consider you my home church, my home base. And without your prayer and financial support and you backing us up, we would not have lasted even nine months. Um, We consider the Grace Place Arlington our parent church, and we are in the newborn phase. And I have a five-year-old and a three-year-old. And when they were newborns, all they could do was cry, poop, and eat. And when they cried for food, they couldn't make a sandwich and eat themselves. When they pooped, they couldn't change their diaper. They were completely and utterly dependent on Priscilla and I for everything. For everything. And we have been completely dependent upon you for everything. And so when I say thank you for being our lifeline, I absolutely mean it because we would not have survived without every single prayer you prayed and every single dollar you gave. Every single time you shared a post on Facebook, I saw it. Every time you liked a post that we posted about our church, I saw it. Every time you commented, every time I saw it. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart for doing that for us. You know, we, as parents, you don't see the results of, of, of what you do until later on, and so I believe that we're going to see a great harvest. I believe that we are going to uh, have a great church, and uh, we would not have that opportunity without what you're doing now and what you have done over the last nine months. Well, you've been fed physically. Who's ready to be fed spiritually? You guys ready for a word? All right, let me pray, and then I'm going to preach for a little bit. (laughs) Father, we just, we believe that you have prepared the atmosphere and the environment in this place, and that uh, it is ripe and ready for miracles and breakthroughs to happen, Lord. I pray, God, that you would challenge every single person sitting in here tonight. I pray that you would anoint me and use me to bring a word that will bless somebody, that will help somebody, that will encourage somebody. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to ask you a question tonight. Has God ever gotten all up in your business before? Um, Everything in your life was comfortable. Uh, You were on cruise control. You had everything handled, and out of nowhere, God gets up in your grill and shows up at an inopportune time. Has that happened to you before? I know it's happened to me. One of the reasons I'm in New York City planning a church 
right now is because two years ago I was sitting at one of these tables and Pastor Chad Benson, who is pastor's son and he planted a church in LifeGate, he shared the story of him planting a church and during his message, Priscilla leaned over to me and said, doesn't that make you want to start a church? And at the time, it really didn't. The youth group was doing well. I had a fantastic relationship with pastor and, and I still do, I think. I think, yeah. Uh, everything was, was good. But two years later, we're in New York City planning a church from scratch because God got all up in our business. Jesus did this to Peter in the story I'm going to share with you tonight. And I'm going to be reading from the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke, chapter number five. And I'm going to read verse number three. And he got into one of the boats. And he got into one of the boats. Look at your neighbor and say, and he got into one of the boats. I need you to remember that because that's important. Let me say it again. And he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little way from the land. And he sat down and began teaching the people from the boat. God brought me 1,500 miles from New York City to Arlington, Texas, to tell you a little something, something. You want to hear it? He brought me all the way. Southwest Airlines, from New York City to Arlington to tell you something, and it's this. How you respond when Jesus gets in your boat will determine the type of life you will experience. How you respond when Jesus gets in your boat will determine the type of life you experience. Jesus was standing on the edge of the lake of Gennesaret preaching, and the crowd was so large and it was pushing in to get a glance, to get a touch of Jesus, that he was pushed onto the shore of the lake, and he no longer had room to stand anymore. So he sees two boats and gets into one of them, which happens to be Simon's, and you might know him as Peter, because Jesus changed his name from Simon to Peter later on, and, 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 he, gets into, and he gets into Simon's boat. And before Simon became a disciple, he was a professional fisherman who owned his own business. And the Bible says that Peter was on the shore washing his nets at the same time Jesus was preaching to the crowds of people. There's no indication that Peter had ever met Jesus before this interaction here. Uh, In fact, Jesus had just started his public ministry, so chances are Peter maybe had heard of Jesus, but he did not know Jesus. So this stranger gets into Peter's boat without even asking him. That would be, think about that, that would be the equivalent of you being at a stoplight, some stranger walking up to your car, opening the door, getting in and saying, take me to Subway. (laughs) You would be creeped out. You'd be like, get out of my car. And this is This is essentially what happened to Peter when Jesus got into his boat. And this is a picture of what Jesus does to each one of us when he's trying to get our attention. He's going to get into some of our boats tonight, amen? Peter thought Jesus wanted his boat for a pulpit, but Jesus wanted Peter's boat for his heart. When Jesus is attempting to get our attention, it's not about him, it's about us. And he was trying to get Peter's attention. If we're in here and we've been saved by the blood of Jesus, the reason that is the case is because Jesus climbed in our boat 
and we allowed <clears throat> him to stay. Amen? What did I say a moment ago? How you respond when Jesus gets in your boat will determine the type of life you experience. Peter could have told Jesus that he was really tired from fishing all night. And so I'm going home, Jesus. You need to get out of my boat. He could have told Jesus that. He could have got offended at Jesus for getting into his boat without asking. Who do you think you are? Get out of my boat. That's my property. He could have gotten offended. He could have got upset. He could have been annoyed at Jesus. But for some reason, he didn't. And because of that, his entire life changed. The entire trajectory of his life changed because of the way he responded to Jesus when Jesus got into his boat. When Jesus gets into our boat, we usually respond in one or two ways. We either get defensive or we get defenseless. Let me explain what I mean by that. Have you ever felt in your heart that you were supposed to do something You were supposed to step out and it was something maybe crazy, it was something that stretched you, but because of a fear of failure or a fear of success, you decided not to do it? Anybody been there, done that? That's Jesus getting in your boat. Have you ever felt in your heart that you were supposed to distance yourself from an unhealthy tie, connection, relationship, whatever it is, but there was a tug of war because you were scared at what your life would look like if you didn't have that person in your life. That is Jesus getting into your boat. A few months ago, I woke up with this, uh, with this strong feeling that I was supposed to fast. And to be honest, Dunkin' Donuts got the best of me. And I had this battle going on, should I fast, should I not? And I ended up getting donuts and coffee. And that afternoon, I got a text from a friend that had a mutual friend that had a daughter that had cancer. And he told me that his daughter's cancer had gone from bad to worse, and they were not expecting her to survive the night, and they were calling family to come in. And and as I was sitting in my vehicle, and as I got that text, I felt like a ton of bricks had just hit me because I realized at that moment that I was supposed to fast for that girl. Jesus got in my boat, and I told him to get out. Luke 4, or Luke chapter 5, verses 4 and 5. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered and said, Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing. Here's what we need to understand about what's going on. Simon was a professional fisherman. He knew everything that needed to be known about fishing. He understood weather patterns. He understood the right times to fish where he would get the best catch. In fact, that was why he was probably fishing at night because fish... I don't know much about fishing. I've been a couple times, but I read this somewhere. Uh, Fish tend to uh, go into shallow water and gather together at night, and then during the day, they tend to spread out, and they're so deep that you can't catch the fish with a net. And so that's why Peter was probably fishing at night. Jesus, on the other hand, was a professional carpenter turned preacher. There's no indication in Scripture that he had any idea about fishing. Peter had the right to be defensive and annoyed with Jesus at this point because Jesus not only got into his boat without asking, he was giving a professional fisherman advice on how to fish. Have any of you ever had someone try to give you advice in an area in which they had no education or experience in? Pastor, has anybody ever told you how to run your church when they hadn't run a church before? 
I'm going to New York so I can, get a, I can meddle and get in a little trouble here and just run out of here. Actually fly out of here. Have any of you ever had someone give you marital advice even though they were single? Before I had kids, I would judge the mess out of parents when I was at a restaurant enjoying my dinner and one of their kids were acting up and acting a fool. I would just be like, man, when I have kids, I will never let them do it. I'm going to be a general. They're going to sit there quietly. They're not going to make a noise. Then I had kids. Then I had a sassy little girl, and that all went out the window. My perspective changed when I had kids. So if you don't have kids yet, you need to just zip the lip and stop judging. Amen? Anyways, here's my point. Jesus' instructions to us in the boat don't always make sense. You need to get that. Jesus' instructions to us in the boat don't always make sense. A carpenter giving a fisherman advice on how to fish doesn't make sense. Moving to Texas or moving to New York from Texas doesn't make sense. Leaving an established church for a church of zero doesn't make sense. Leaving a 1,600 square foot home for a 600 square foot apartment paying double the rent does not make sense. Several months ago, I was at a function for my son's preschool and I was introduced to the leader of the most influential church planting organization in the entire city. They've planted hundreds of churches in New York City. And when I was introduced to him, I excitedly introduced myself to him and shared our story, shared our vision of what we were doing in the city. And I was so pumped up and excited and his response absolutely shocked me. He looked me in the eyes and he told me, Steve, you've got about a 10% chance of succeeding. And you need to understand this. People from Texas don't know what the H-E double hockey sticks they're doing. But he didn't say H-E double hockey stick. He actually said the word. Then he said, the assemblies of God don't know what the H-E double hockey sticks they're doing. If I was in New York, I'd say the word, but I'm in Texas. So. <laughs> and you can ask Priscilla. I went into a two-day depression and funk. I was like, why are we here? What am I doing? I have no business here. Until I realized that he was wrong about something. I don't have a 10% chance of succeeding. I have a 0% chance of succeeding. But I didn't call myself to New York City. Jesus called me and my family to New York City. And with him, all things are possible. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And when I realized that, the depression, the funk, the fog just lifted off of me. And I said, man, I'm not going to do it to show him, but I'm going to show him. (laughs) That competitive spirit came out of me. Whenever Jesus gets into my boat and gives me an irrational, illogical directive, I have to remind myself of this passage in Isaiah 55, 8 through 11. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there without watering the earth and making it bare and sprout and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Listen to this. So will my word be which goes forth from my mouth. 
it will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. If God has spoken to you something and you feel like it hasn't happened in the time you want it to happen, I'm telling you, God is not man that he will lie. He will accomplish what he says he will accomplish in his timing and in his will and according to his purpose. And so if he has spoken something to you, you need to hold on to that tonight. Amen? Just to give you a little context and perspective here, we are about 93 million miles away from the sun, the earth is. Heaven is infinitely further from earth than the sun is. And so if you don't understand why God does what he does sometimes, it's because he's operating on a much higher level than we're operating. And there's some things that we won't understand until we get to heaven. And there's some things that we won't understand until years and years and years later because he operates on a much higher level than we operate. So back to our story. I think we can all agree that Peter had every right to get defensive with Jesus. But I want to show you his response in verse 5. Simon answered and said, Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing, but I will do as you say and let down the nets. Peter became defenseless with Jesus, let down his guard and obeyed. Obedience is the soil in which miracles sprout. Come on, somebody. I'm in Texas. Y'all can shout. I'm not in New York City. Obedience is the soil in which miracles sprout. We had our preview, our first preview service last week uh, on Easter, on Easter Sunday. And we had 29 people. That included, that included uh, kids. That included our friends from Texas that came up. That included some dogs and cats and... and, and I'm just kidding. It was all people. It was all people. We had eight first-time visitors, four adults and, and four kids. Uh, we had, we had uh, no, we had more than four. Uh, we had more than four first-time. We had like, yeah, we had like, we had 11 first-time visitors. We had, we had four that came from an outreach we did on Saturday. We had a guy that came from a Facebook advertisement. It, it was amazing. It was incredible. It was, it was awesome. And we meet in an elementary school. And so uh, the way you get uh, approved is you got to go through the principal, and you got to get approved by the principal. Then it goes through the New York City Board of Education. And so uh, in our process of renting this elementary school, I got a, uh, the approval from the principal, and then it uh, went through the, the Board of Education. And so uh, I got an email uh, the 1st of March or so from the Board of Education saying, everything was a go. You just need to pay four months in advance of rent, and then we'll send you the permit. Until you do that, you can't meet in the school. And so I got the email in the morning, and then I went through my day. I didn't pay it at the time. I get an email that evening with the permit, and in the email it said, your uh, rent is paid in full. And so, hold up. <laughs> and so I was like, I was like, I didn't pay this. What, what happened? And so I either called or texted Don, and I said, did you buy, I don't know how you would, but did you by chance pay our rent? And she said, no. And so then I met with the event coordinator of the school and I said, hey man, I, I got the permit and it said it's paid in full, but I didn't pay it. And this guy, I don't think he's a Christian yet. He, the, the words that came out of his mouth, he said, could it be divine intervention? And I said, it had to be because I didn't pay. So he looks in his computer at his records and we're paid for the first four months and I didn't pay. It's amazing. It's a miracle. 
a couple weeks ago, I was preaching in a church. In, actually, I, I had a 10-minute window at a church in Queens, and they had three services, 8.30, 10.30, 12.30. And so uh, the services were about miracles. And so in between the first and second service, I get a text from somebody, and I will not mention names because they wanted to be anonymous, but they said, we want to give you this amount of money towards your sound equipment. And so in the 10.30 service, I announced it to the church that, Miracles are already happening. Somebody just said they wanted to give us money for our sound equipment. It's so amazing, and everybody cheered. And so the pastor gets up after I get up, and he said, you know what? God just spoke to me, and we want to help you with your sound equipment as well. And they paid for over $5,000 worth of sound equipment. Amazing. Obedience is the soil in which miracles happen. That's good. That's good stuff. That's good stuff right there. Let's go down. Luke 5, 6 and 7. When they had done this, everyone say, when they had done this. Don't expect a miracle in your life if you're not willing to do what Jesus asks you to do. That's that's good stuff right there. Don't expect a miracle to happen if you're not willing to be obedient to what Jesus is telling you to do. When they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish and their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat for them to come and help them. And they came and filled both of the boats so that they began to sink. sink. Your openness to hear, listen, and act on God's directives will pave the way for God's abundance in your life. When you hear what God is speaking to you, you listen to what God is speaking to you, but you don't keep it there. You act on it, and you walk in obedience to what God is saying to you. It will pave the way for abundance in your life. And so during Missions Advancement Week, if God speaks to you about a certain amount of money to give this year, and it's crazy, and it stretches you, and you feel like, I don't know how I can do it, your obedience to what God is saying to you will pave the way for abundance and blessing, and joy in your life. Every time you obey what God tells you to do, it paves the way for abundance and blessing. It might not mean you get everything you want, but it paves the way for blessing in your life. It paves the way for a a life of peace, a life of joy. It paves the way for a life of faith. Let's look at how the story ends. But when Simon Peter saw that, he fell down at Jesus' feet saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For amazement had seized him and all his companions because of the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not fear. From now on you will be catching men. When they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. I want to end by saying three things. I've got 10 minutes and 28 seconds to say three things. Number one, God's goodness always reveals our sinfulness. You see, when Peter saw the goodness of God and how when he obeyed, his nets were full, it didn't puff him up. It made him look inward and and to see his wretchedness and his sinfulness. And every time God is good to us, it, 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 it does something inside of us and we see how wicked we are. When we see how good God is, we see how, how wretched and sinful we are. And, and, we, and when we become grateful for God's goodness, it does something in our heart. It does something to us. 
when, when God is good, that's why the Bible says his kindness leads us to repentance. Because when we, man, when we see how good the righteousness of God is, man, it motivates you. It inspires you. It causes you to say, God, I will do anything for you. Not because I want to be accepted, but I will do anything for you because I'm already accepted. Number two, this miracle was a means to an end, not an end to a means. The miracle is never the main thing. The miracle, a healing or a financial blessing or a breakthrough, that's never the main thing. It's just a means. Jesus performed this miracle as a sign of what he was going to use Peter, James, and John to do when he told them, from now on, if you follow me, I will make you fishers of men from this moment forward. The miracle was a sign. It wasn't, it wasn't the, the big deal. It was just pointing them to what their calling was. And I think I did a little research on this on this story here, and I think it's very interesting that the Greek word Peter used to address Jesus before the miracle in verse 5, when he called him master, literally translated as superintendent and overseer. That's what the Greek word master translated as. That's how Peter, that's what Peter called Jesus before the miracle, but after the miracle, that Greek word that Peter used to address Jesus When he called him Lord, literally translated as, he to whom a person or thing belongs, about which he has the power of deciding. The owner, one who has control of the person. Did you get that? Did you catch that? What's the significance of this? The purpose of any miracle Jesus performs in your life isn't so that you will be in awe of him. He performs a miracle to take you from the level that you're at to a more intimate, personal place with him. You see, the reason some of you aren't experiencing the miracles you want to experience is because if God performed that miracle, it would not bring you closer to him, and so he doesn't perform that miracle. Every miracle, you need to hear this, you need to get this. Every miracle Jesus performs in your life or in my life is for the purpose of taking us uh, from where the level we're at to a higher, deeper, more intimate level with him. And the third thing, and finally, ultimately, Jesus gets into our boat so that we will get out of the boat with him to follow him. He said, Peter, James, and John, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Their entire lives were completely and radically changed and transformed because of this interaction. And so when Jesus gets in your boat, how you respond, what you do, you see some of you, Jesus is getting in your boat and you're giving him a glaring eye like get out of my boat. I've got this taken care of. I've got a business to run. I I need to go home and go to sleep. I've been working all night. Get out of my... Some of you are doing that to Jesus. Some of you are telling Jesus, all I want you to do is keep me out of hell. Don't meddle and mingle 
in my relationships. Don't meddle and mingle in my finances. Don't meddle and mingle with what I spend my time doing. I got all that. Just keep me out of hell. I'll take care of everything else. And let me tell you something. Jesus don't work like that. Jesus does not work like that. In fact, Jesus has gotten into some of y'all's boats. And as I've been preaching tonight, as I've been talking tonight, thoughts have come into your mind, things that he's told you to do that maybe you've just avoided, maybe you've been afraid, maybe you've just been too comfortable to get out of your comfort zone. You've just been, it's just an inconvenience to do what God is telling you to do. I'm telling you tonight, you need to rethink how you respond to Jesus as he's sitting in your boat. What would have happened if Peter had told Jesus to get out of that boat that day? Peter might not be a disciple. Peter may not have been one of the heroes of our faith, one of the ones that pioneered the early church, that made an impact. His story is written for eternity because when Jesus got in his boat, his first interaction with Jesus, when he got in his boat, he didn't look at him and say, get out of my boat, I don't know what you're doing. I was working all night, I'm too tired. He let Jesus in his boat and he obeyed. And because he did that, he saw a miracle and his entire life was changed and different. If you will obey God's voice and direction in your life, I promise you, your entire life will change your entire life will be different. I'm not saying it's going to be easy because it's not. Planting a church in New York City, being up there for the last nine months, it hasn't been easy. But it's been bearable because I know I'm called. Some of you, no matter where you go, you're going to be miserable because you're not being obedient to Christ. And even if your life gets a little more difficult, but you're being obedient to Christ, your life will be a whole lot better. So rethink what you're going to do next time Jesus gets in your boat. Amen? Let me pray, and then I'll be finished. Father, I pray that you would speak to every heart in this place. I pray that you would challenge every heart in this place. I pray that you would stretch every person in here. Lord, I pray, God, that every single person sitting around these tables tonight would choose radical obedience over comfort and convenience. Lord, as you're sitting in the boats of many of the people sitting in here, Lord, I pray that they would be very careful how they respond as they see you sitting in that boat, because you want to do something incredible in their life. You want to do something amazing. In the, you want to do more than they have ever imagined or dreamed or thought of. But God, they have to get over themselves. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us all, including myself, get over myself. Get, help, help us to get over our insecurities. Help us to get over our fears. Help us to get over our pride. Help us to get over our arrogance. Help us to get over our religious attitudes. And, Lord God, I pray that this would be a place of radical obedience 
to your voice in our lives. Father, I thank you. I thank you, God, so much that we don't have to plant this church alone, but we have a family in Arlington that has linked arms with us and that they have joined us in this calling. And every blessing we experience, every hurdle we jump over, every breakthrough we experience, we experience it together. And every, every defeat, every valley, every struggle, we get to do it together. And Lord, I'm thankful for that relationship. I'm thankful for that partnership. And Lord, I just pray your supernatural blessing in each person's life. In Jesus' name, amen.